Welcome to Say That, podcast where everybody questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us this week is Glenn Fitzgerald. In the countdown to the record, uh, apparently Matt wasn't clear whether it was one, two, three, or three, two, one, and I think that has some disturbing implications. Almost certainly, everything does. Also joining us all there, Mercury, Tennessee, Lee Younger. Without Jed, we don't know what we're doing. We just don't <laughs> know how this works. <laughs> Jed's the only one who knows what n- order the numbers go in. Otherwise, you got three people with history degrees. <laughs> Jed! <laughs> We're all humanities majors. Yes, and the man who has left us with a, a totally anumeric and mathematically illiterate uh, way to go about life. We don't know which letter comes first. We don't know. Apparently, there's a whole thing where numbers can be letters, and I that's kind of where I checked out of math. But a regular co-host, Jed Brewer, not with us. Still on special assignment. We record these back to back again. We're not just not sick. We're not holding him in some kind of a punishment situation. He's fine. It's just, we're just recording this one right off the other one. Yes. Let's go with that story. He's fine. Nothing to be concerned about. Now, Glenn getting some extra work in on his villain voice this week, which is always fun for all of us. We have a number of minor emergencies to get to. Mm. An emergency mm. lightning round, if you if you will. We start with, oh, wow. with a true emergency, and this is. Do we, we have, have to? Do, I'm sorry, Matt. Because it's a lightning round, do we have to buzz in? Do we have to like yeah. hit a buzzer? Sure, feel free. Just start uh, banging around anything in your general area that is loud, <laughs> and I'll let you know if you buzzed in correctly. Uh, please, uh, yeah, format that emergency in the form of a question, if at all possible. We start off with the, with the truest emergency, which is someone binge listening to this podcast, a thing we have warned you all about mm. in the past. We received That's a message good. this week from Miss Sharice, who has binged all the way up to, and I hope all the way up to, does not mean starting an episode one. Well, you can't start episode one anymore because one through six aren't on the internet. Yeah. But uh, wherever she started, all the way up to episode 479. Wow. As oh. she is in lockdown in her home country and is against every and all bit of uh, sanity still enjoying the show. So Hmm. that doesn't really seem possible. One of the questions I have is for Miss Sharice is, is, uh, are, are you on a treadmill? Do you have proper, uh, say that podcast safety equipment, Mm. uh, in, you know, in order. Are are you wearing the proper safety, you know, uniform? I think that's yeah. if you're doing like the the twenty episode binge that some people have done. I think if you started early and are up to in the four hundreds, you have achieved like some kind of Doctor Manhattan level immunity. <laughs> like you, there's there's mm. no protection that the <laughs> metals and plastics of this earth could offer you. Good point. So we move on from that emergency to some emergency follow-ups. We uh, discussed in a previous episode the idea of kind of a a church uh, subscription service, a bit of a, a Patreon situation for, for the churches there. And uh, we had some excellent uh, additions to that come in uh, from some friends. Our, our friend Tim uh, suggested that there be a premium tier to leave a break in the sermon and the pastor can tell everybody else they really need to stay longer, but you get to go and get the good lunch reservation. Wow. Mm. Wow. I like yeah. this. That's a, that's a platinum experience right there. It's a really good point, you know, because uh, everybody's trying to get out early. Everybody's trying to get a good seat at the restaurant and everything. And if and if you go ahead and support the church at that premium tier level, then you know you get the discipleship early, and then you you get to bypass all the guilt and the shame that comes later for the folks who really don't pay as much. Oh, there you go. You front load that sermon with all the good stuff, so I don't need to get to lunch. Right. But you don't really miss anything. I fellas, I think we're we're missing the obviously better solution to this, which is in seat dining. In the church, <laughs> where you have, you know, like they come and serve it to you, like while it's happening, like you're on the front row or whatnot, and you're getting, you know, chicken fingers and curly fries, 
and everybody else is just kind of smelling that and just dealing with that because they didn't upgrade to the premium level. So my question for you, Glenn, is do you is the, is this a new version of the Eucharist? Are you like it's like sure. chips and salsa like? Uh, like this is the the body of the Lord broken for you, brother Glenn, and it's a chip, and then you dip right. it in the salsa. This is the blood of Christ spilled for you, right. Glenn, and then it, chips and salsa is the Eucharist. Well, yes, I mean, if you in and you know decide for yourself if you're okay with the stale crackers and the grape juice. Well, that's fine. There's that. That's you know. There's a a, a level a tier that's right <laughs> for you. Uh, but you you make the call on what it is, uh, yes. whatever kind of Eucharist you want. Wow, a tiered yeah. Eucharist, tiered Eucharist. That's the whole. <laughs> wow. That's the next Listen. level. No, we just cracked this thing wide open because you're right. talking about you have like a a, a a celebrity chef like Wolfgang Puck. Yeah, uh, you know, creating a totally different kind of Eucharist experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A deconstructed Eucharist, not in the. <laughs> Not deconstructed in the like religious sense, but just deconstructed in that uh, it's like foam. <laughs> yeah, and you you have a a guy a snooty dude comes out and explains the you tell the story of it's you know artisanal uh, the grains and toast. So, yeah. There's a drizzle. It has to drizzle. Something has to drizzle on something else. You know, something like that. I it's think about Martin Luther is going to rise from the grave and smite <laughs> us just for saying those things. And I welcome that publicity, quite frankly. Uh, we, we also have another uh, suggestion uh, come in from our friend Charlie, who li- says the, the top tier of the, the church membership Patreon should be you get to actively uh, be a part of the whatever the next scandal down the road is. Wow. Mm. Like, kind of, because, you know, that's, I'm sure that's very exciting. And obviously, you don't want to be part of the really the dark ones where someone gets hurt, but you know, a nice, like this yeah. guy made us buy him a $1.2 million house with like a trophy room for his hunting stuff or whatever. <laughs> Look, if you get to, if you get to steer a schism, that's pretty strong right there. That's a, that's something you're going to want to throw chips in on. Oh, I like that. You can choose what he scandals. <laughs> yeah. That's right. No, 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 fellas, fellas, you, you, again, you're missing the more obvious opportunity here. So, like, if you have a boat, you know, you like buy like boat insurance in case something happens with a boat or whatever it have you. What what you need to buy is pastor scandal insurance, so that when there's a scandal, what they do is they put it in the paper and it says, Joe Bob Smith often said to his friends, I think there's something going on wrong here, and you guys should pay attention to it. And, you know, so that, like, you survived the scandal looking like you were, you know, warning people the whole way along. So you come out of it looking good. Wow. That's certainly a way to go. I think there. someone also suggested that for maybe a lower price, you could be the one who gives the quote about how long you've known Pastor Joey, and this just doesn't seem like in his oh, character. Okay. Mm, yeah. Such a good family. You're, you're guaranteed to get in the paper, which is exciting in its own way, I think. True. Yeah. Well, and that, that brings us to a follow-up emergency on a an old Say That favorite. And you may be familiar if you've listened to this show for a while, as apparently we know some of you have, with the concept of getting poked like a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> This is originally from Glenn's ill-fated, but maybe ongoing uh, campaign to maybe get some popery himself. And he thought that he would, he would kind of sway the, the College of Cardinals there with the idea that he would come in and pope like a hurricane. Well, uh, they were having, they had a vote. So if you got a vote, you got to have a campaign. And that was my campaign slogan was, look, I would pope <laughs> you like a hurricane. Look, all I'm saying is if, if the, if the smoke came out of the chimney and the, the, and then the vote was for Glenn Fitzgerald, and then they put the miter on that head. I'm all there. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't work out, and maybe one of the reasons is that we didn't really know what that meant at the time. Yeah. Uh, like all great political slogans, it was a little, it was a little vague. It was meant to be open to interpretation by the uh, the reader and the listener. So we didn't have a sense of what it meant in the in the world for someone to be poked like a hurricane. Not not everyone's uh, familiar with you know, 80s 
weren't they German metal Indeed, band? Scorpions. Scorpions, yeah. So, you know, that's that that hurt us a little bit. Well, you know. Most again, most political campaigns based on German rock from the eighties have been less successful. Yeah. Hasselhoff moves a lot of units, but he doesn't get votes. That's just that's just a fact of political life, as plain as your face. But we now have a uh, a real life example from uh, I think it's fair to say weirdo Christian author uh, Rod Dreyer, who wrote a book called The Benedict Option, which basically says uh, I will I will read the first sentence of the book jacket that I find on Wikipedia. And I think you're going to understand this dude's whole deal based on this short sentence. Today, a new post-Christian barbarism reigns. Wow. uh, Yeah. That's really something. So basically his whole thing is uh, sometimes gay people have rights, and that means that we all have to move to Hungary, where he currently moved, or into the woods if we actually want to be Christians. Oh, I... I thought he was talking about like hairdressers taking over. No, possibly. You know, bar- barbarism reigns. You know, we're t- we're talking about a we're talking about a post-apocalyptic dystopia where Christians are running away- around with scissors and clippers. Oh yeah, they'll attack you with those electric clippers in a and minute. deciding deciding what everybody else's haircut is going to be. <laughs> so many bangs. <laughs> so th- this dude wrote this book uh you know it was again it was exactly what you think it is um so apparently uh the the cohort of the the pope uh didn't like it because it's insane and anti-christian in a lot of ways oh. uh so but they uh they in when it came out in italy in the italian translation 2018 they weren't uh, they apparently tried to basically just tell people oh we're we're not endorsing that in any way shape or form so then in what i think is one of the greatest white man moves of all time this dude, who is no longer Catholic because the Catholics weren't conservative enough, uh, tweeted this. It was uh, since quickly deleted, but I met Pope Francis yesterday in the Vatican, briefly. I said, Holy Father, I wrote the Benedict Option. He took my name tag in his hand, looked at it, then gave me a blank expression. And that, yeah. I believe, is what it means to get poked like a hurricane. to go before the holy father and say oh gosh you may remember me from my literary works and for a man who has washed the feet of uh, the homeless and is we know is snuck out to give i believe was a christmas service in a youth detention facility and has been to poor places and he's not not a perfect man and obviously the catholic church doesn't do everything uh, perfectly and does a lot of things not well but he is he has not been afraid to be seen with uh, the, those that the world would reject. And he looked at you and said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do love sort of the conceit of, obviously this is like one of those reception lines where you just go down, shake his hand, say, good to meet you, and then move on. That's, that's clearly what this is. You're not supposed to give your CV. That's not what. That's not usually right. how that works. And it, clearly, it, if he doesn't know who you are, it's hard to sell all of us on the idea that they really are against you. You know that those two don't go together. It's like I don't know who you are, dude. You, you can't say man, and that that's proof of how bad they they're attacking me because. They're really upset about all the uh, you know deep insights that I had there. That's right. But here's what I'm trying to say, fellas. Let's think of it like this. Okay, this guy is trying to get the Pope to hate on him, you know, sell books and whatnot. It didn't go very well, but you know, he, he gave it some sort of effort there. He's he's spinning it around. But if we get this dude to not like us. Okay. Then that will be like the Pope likes us, and then we can go hang out, you know, like at the Vatican and stuff. Dude, that's like the transitive property of podcast mathematics, right there. You can't argue with that. That's just that's just that's that's just math, dude. Oh, I I think we can handle this one pretty quick. Um, I personally believe that voting is good, and trans people should be treated like people. 
I now 100% am sure that if we can get this recording to him, we can get uh, this dude to denounce me. Yeah. And then we get to go to the Vatican, as Glenn points out, and the cool parts. Like yeah, the parts yeah. they don't let the tourists into, where they keep yeah. all the statues that they just want to look at themselves. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if he invites you over, probably he lets you wear the hat. You he know? seems cool. Yeah, he seems cool. Like, hey, you, you might invite, you know. And you know what? You know, what you could do is say, why don't you let me, you know, wear the hat and take a lap around the thing with, in the Pope Mobile? And, you know, give everybody a shock. You know, maybe they think it's a new dude or something. You know, that that kind of wacky hijinks is the kind of thing I think Francis would be into. And we'd all, you know, we'd be like best buds and stuff. I think that's a good goal for us. So, Glenn, you're pitching some kind of uh, take on the uh, beloved 90s comedy Dave, where there's this kind yeah. of regular dude who just looks enough like the president that he yeah. does president stuff for some reason. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, just, yeah. You put on the on the the robe and the mitre, yeah. and but they don't have time to brief you, so yeah. you're just trying to wing it and do Pope stuff best you can. That's right. Yeah, he you know he, he needs a day off. You know, and so I put on the hat. You know, and you know from a distance, you know I I could probably you know I I do all right. You know, I <laughs> I do little hand motions and stuff. You know. And, uh, you know, bless everybody. And they'd be like, eh, you know. I like the idea of Glenn as the Rodney Dangerfield character from Caddyshack, but just in the <laughs> kind of trying to pull it off in the, the very austere world of kind of the inner Catholic thing. Just, oh, nice robe. You get a bowl of soup with that? Looks good on you, yeah, though. Exactly. Like, like, that's the Archbishop of Ecuador. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the, you see, here's what you do is... You 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 take your reception lines, and if you got a guy, you because you probably it's easy to identify. You got a guy who's going to be schmucky and tell you about his book. You put that guy in the line with me. You oh, see? nice! I like yeah, this because yeah. because you know, like Francis is nice. You know, if he don't know who you right. are, he just kind of blanks. Like, uh, okay, dude. You know, because he's he, he doesn't have anything mean to say. But but for me, I think I can handle that. So I like the idea of of the Pope, uh, you know, surprising this guy in the way he doesn't want, which is, you know, the Pope looks at him with the with the blank stare, and he's like, "Oh, so you didn't read my book?" And I like the idea of the Pope saying, "No, I actually read your book. It's hot garbage, my man." <laughs> right. Just like, just take it one step further of like, no, I, 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 I did. It's, it's a complete dumpster fire. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, and I've proposed this like good Pope, bad Pope, you know, cause you, that's right. You, that's right. Like in the movies you had good cop, bad cop. And then, you know, they, they kind of work it both ways. With this is a perfect example of how that would work is you just funnel that guy into another room and it was like, uh, tell us again, what's this with a book? And then all of a sudden, you know, people decide they don't, they don't have anything to, you know, they, they, it's all cool. Like, oh, you cool now? You, you, you have, no, I, yeah, it's, it's cool. Okay, well, if it's cool, it's cool. You know, I'll carry on. I also like the idea of just looking up this dude's book on Barnes and Noble, and there's a review from Pope Francis that's like, <laughs> yeah, this is hot garbage. <laughs> but it's on Amazon, so it does that thing where the abbreviates one is just Pope F. <laughs> <laughs> Pope F. Yeah, nice. Pope F. Pope F. Says I met this guy and hadn't heard of his book. I had some free time, and I never, I've never returned a book that I finished before. But yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeesh. That's that's so, that's so Francis right there, Matt. That's right. So Francis. Most people don't know that yeesh actually is a phrase that began in Argentina. Yeah, that's, that's right. how it really kind of uh, <laughs> curled up. But uh, I give this book three oofs. That's right. Yes, Oof. Gen Z listeners, that's right. If I can explain that to you, a yeesh is pretty much the opposite of a sheesh, as I understand things, which yeah. is to say, <laughs> not at all. And now that I've that's started right. quoting TikTok language, I think it's officially time to declare <laughs> emergency off. That's right. At a scant 20 minutes into the podcast. That's right. You can check out your own uh, 
experience of Glenn's kind of we we consider them his papal bulls. They're his mm. his sermons that show up on every episode of every edition of Bridgebox. You can check that out at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You can also join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time at Facebook.com slash Bridge Chicago for our bridge cast for songs, sermons, uh prayer, and a lot of fun stuff from our bridge service in Chicago. If you can't be there, it is the next best thing. And if you can't join us live Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time, you can catch those whenever you want over at Facebook.com slash The Bridge Chicago. We're going to jump into our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into your episode description, click the links you find there. Our first question comes in and says, The Bible talks about the dangers of people who have false humility. I know sometimes I'm humble because it feels like I should be, or it's the right way to act. Is that false humility? If that's not, what is? And I, I think a really cool question. And Glenn, where would we start off with this? Well, let's define it here because it, it is a great question. And I actually, you know, when I'm looking at you, ask that question. I, I don't know if I've heard a lot of talk about false humility, mm. you know, from pastors and stuff. Uh, false humility is when you are purposely trying to convince other people or show people that you are humble. It's trying to say, you know, uh, I am so humble, I would now like to tell you all about it so that you will now see me as humble. Uh, Humility, and this is a good thing for you to kind of internalize, humility is obvious to Mm. people. Mm. When you are humble, they see it, they know it, they work it out. Uh, That's just the beauty of humility. If I ask you to describe a really humble, you know, do, do you know a humble person in your life? You'd say, yeah. I'd say, okay, well, describe how you know they're humble. You'd struggle to do that. It's like, I don't know. It's just like the way they are. They're just, they're just humble. That's, that's how humility works. But to trying to force that situation becomes a kind of thing where you're, you're, you're and inevitably the way that works is you take some small thing that you're doing wrong and pretend that you're grieving over that small wrong thing as a way of saying all the rest of it is really pretty great. Huh. That's yeah. you're that's bragging essentially uh in, in any other terms and that's that's not what humility is. Humility is when you have a a a, a, a proper and a correct understanding of your strengths and weaknesses. Amen. And that's, when I say correct and proper, I mean from the Lord's viewpoint of what your strengths and what your weaknesses are, things that you need to work on and things that you are strong in. A humble person, in that sense, knows and understands themselves and know what they need to be dealing with and what they need to work on and all those kinds of things. That's what humility is all about. Um, real humility opens doors. Uh, real humility, humility has that way of uh, uh, changing the way that people see you and deal with you. So earlier today, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, we were able to finally get back into Cook County Jail and do ministry mm. in, here in Chicago at the jailhouse. And um uh, guys are funneling in off the deck, and a guy came in who was older. He's maybe my age a little, or a little older than I am. And the moment he walked in the room, and I saw this out of the corner of my eye, you had to really be paying attention or you'd miss it. Uh, one of the younger guys immediately got up the moment that older gentleman walked in the room, that older inmate walked in the room, and pointed to that empty seat and, and stood uh, next to him. If you weren't watching very closely, you could miss it. But the moment that I saw that, I said, okay, that's the guy I want to be working with in this jailhouse. This guy is going to be uh, able to help us reach plenty of other people in this room. That humility immediately moved him up in our estimation tremendously. Mm. Uh, Humility opens up those kinds of opportunities, and, and people see you in that different way. False humility does the opposite. It alienates you. You think, ah, well, either they think this guy's a phony because he's pretending to be holier than what he is, or they say, I guess he is that holy and I'm not, so I don't need to be hanging out with that guy. I don't need to be dealing with him because he'd just be looking at all the things wrong with me. 
So forget about it. So I feel alienated because I'm not holy. Mm. And this this guy who's acting phony, he gets alienated because nobody's talking to him because he's too holy for conversation. So ultimately, you don't get ahead in any way by fronting off that humility. That's a really, really cool place to open that up. And Lee, where would we go from there? I would just add to it. It's it's all, I mean, completely agree with where Glenn has started us, started us out on this. And there's a there's a verse in uh, Acts chapter 17 where the Apostle Paul says, uh, he's talking about the Lord. He says, in him we live and move and have our being. It's a really important verse. In him we live and move and have our being. When we understand that, the, the logical conclusion that we make is everything that I am and everything that I have and everything that I do is a pure gift to me. So when we understand that the truth of that statement, that everything I am, everything I have, and everything I do is a gift that was given to me by God so that I could then turn around and, and bless the world— to serve God, serve other people, and give gifts to other people, then I can start to see what humility is. Humility is not—real humility is not fishing. What, what a lot of people do that, that feels or sounds or looks like humility is fishing. Like, they'll sell themselves short so that you will then build them up. Uh, that's not real humility. Mm. Um, I, I don't—real uh, humility doesn't— is not selling myself short so that then you will build me up. Real humility, uh, when I'm really humble, I know exactly who I am. I know what my gifts are. I know what my abilities are. Exactly like Glenn said, I know what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. Real humility is actual uh, is actually a total honesty, an accurate picture of who I am. I know what my strengths are, but at the exact same time, I understand and recognize that my strengths are a gift that were given to me in order to be used to bless other people, to make the world a better place, to uh, help those who are down and out, who, uh, to, to, to give something to people that don't have. God Almighty has given me certain gifts so that I might use them to make the world a better place. Real humility understands I could be the best designer in the world, and I would look at something that I designed, and I would be proud of that in the sense that, in the same way that I would be proud of something that, that Matt did that was amazing, or that Glenn did that was amazing, or that, or that anybody else did that was amazing. I would be proud of that in the sense of God has gifted you with the ability to put something or create something or to serve something amazing into the world, and that is worth celebrating. I can celebrate my own strengths, my own gifts, my own designs, my own abilities, my own output into the world in the same way that I would celebrate yours, and I'm not going to put myself down in order that you would build me up. Because yeah. real humility understands I've got certain gifts, and I'm flat out really good at some stuff because God is a genius, and he has designed me to be good at some stuff, and he's designed Glenn to be good at some stuff, and Matt, and Jed, and, and, and Pete, and on, and on and on and on to be good at some things because he wants us to, to put some good out into the world. The humble person knows that they have been blessed. And they long to use yeah. those blessings to bless others. Now, if, if I do well and someone recognizes it and they say, hey, that was awesome, a humble person should be able to say, thank you, and then move on. I don't have to dwell on that. Oh, wow, they thought that was really, really cool. That means I'm amazing. No, it means God Almighty has made me to be good at something. I did it well. I'm fulfilling my purpose. I'm actually just that's that's the that's the fulfillment of redemption right there. That's amazing and it's great. If if God made me to lead worship and I lead a worship service and somebody comes up to me and says, "Dude, you crushed that worship service." What I should say is, "Thank you, brother." End of story. And then move on. And then go on to the next thing that whatever God has, has, has ordained for me to do. If, if Matt preaches an amazing sermon and somebody says, dude, you crushed that sermon, it would be weird for Matt to go, I mean, I don't really know. 
I don't know if I did that so great or whatever. It's really the Lord working through me, which is an incredibly arrogant thing to say that I've dressed up as humility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. the, the, the best thing for that brother to say would be to say, thank you, yeah. and then move on to the next thing that God has for him. In my life, since I was about uh, 17 years old, the Lord has given me a brother that, that these, these other guys on the podcast know, a brother named Potsy. Uh, well, his name's Stephen. We call him Potsy. But this is the the most humble brother I've ever met. But if you ever tell him, like, hey, man, that that prayer that you said, that really blessed me, or that thing that you did, that was really cool for me, or that that Sunday school lesson that you just taught, that really uh, helped me, you know, understand this scripture, he literally will just look you dead in the eye and say, thank you, and then he'll move completely on. That's what humility looks like. It's recognizing God has gifted me to do some things. If I do those things, I'm fulfilling what God has gifted me to do. It, it, it's it, in Him we live and move and have our being. I don't want to front off on that. I'm not fishing for more than that. I want to be used. I want to bless other people. I want to serve other people. Real humility recognizes strengths and weaknesses and then can move on to the next thing. I think that this is both just such good, strong answers. One thing I would add on the end here is, you know, you mentioned specifically in your question of, you know, there are times when I'm, I feel like I'm being humble because I know I should, or it's where I would act. That That's cool. That That's a type of humility, like reading social cues and knowing when to do that is a type of humility. Because here's the thing, and it piggybacks right on what Lee is saying, that is knowing that this moment is not about you. There's a time right. when you're yeah. with certain groups of people or you, you've done a thing where it is time to talk. And we do this with, with sermons and, and worship services and all sorts of stuff where it is time to to really get into the fact that you got all over that and look at it and celebrate yeah. it and live yeah, in yeah. it and you know have that moment. And that's great. But there are certainly times when it is time to let something be about someone else and uh, I would I would say if you're looking for red flags when it comes to is this real humility or false humility, it really comes down to as as Lee's talking about there, are you willing to let something be about someone else? Because mm. mm. a type of false yeah. humility that is very prevalent in the world is something like we're saying here, where I know this should be about someone else, but I'm really going to try to kind of worm my way into how awesome I am. You know, you may, you may say, somebody may say to Lee, man, you really, I really love that song that you did. And so, oh, well, thank you very much. But they don't really want to talk to Lee about how great the song is. They want to talk about how great their taste in music is, that they recognized that Lee did a cool song and that he was referencing this thing and this deal. And again, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Didn't make you a bad person. It's just, it's not humility because you're, saying, let me take this moment and get some me put up in that. That's <laughs> um, There's a great phrase that this dude is probably something that people of a certain age have not heard of, which is, makes me depressed, but there's a, a wide receiver played in the NFL in like the 2000s named uh, Terrell Owens. And he was like kind of a Kanye-esque figure before yeah. Kanye with like the the ego. Literally kept a Sharpie in his sock so that he could sign the football after scoring the touchdown and then throw it into the stadium. Yeah, he he personally is the reason for like five different specific illegal celebration penalties that now exist in the NFL. But <laughs> I forget, it was like in some uh, interview or something, but the phrase he used was, I love me some me. <laughs> and that is, that is kind of the essence of lack of humility and false right. humility is when you're trying to go into a situation that you know should be about something or someone else, and you're really trying to bring some me into that. Let's well, you know what this equation is missing? Some me. And let me, you know, <laughs> to, to go back to the emergency kind of, you know, it's an audience with the Pope. I'd like to talk about my book. I'd like to, <laughs> yeah. to get into that. I'd like to. Yeah, not his work with the poor. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know a little something about spiritual leadership myself, and I just want you to know, <laughs> you know, it's it's the it's the older guy at the uh, at the the youth athletic event or whatever it is who can't just be like, oh, that was a very good play they did. He's got to let you know that he really knows the ins and outs of of a four two five defense, so he really understands why. Look, back in eighty two, Matt, we really right. should have won state. That's we really did. And from someone who was on a theoretical state winning team, you can understand why 
this compliment is it's really big of me to give you a compliment. So that's again, there's there's a million types of false humility. There's a million ways it comes out. But if it's at the end of the day, if you can boil this down to I am trying to let this be about someone else versus yeah. I am trying to make this about me, that's a really good sign for are you moving in the direction of humility or the opposite way? We're gonna move on to our second question here. It says, I've heard people say that all sin is against God, but sometimes that feels like a cop out. Like, sure, you sinned against God, too, but you also hurt me. You shouldn't get out of apologizing to me just because God is the one you really wronged and you are sorry to him. Is that a wrong way to see things? And again, a really cool question, another really interesting look at a a phrase, a phrase and idea that gets thrown around in Christian circles a lot. And and as these guys make it inter may not, it's not that material to it. The, the theology of the basics of it is, you know, Paul says that all sin is sin against God because he's the one that is, we, he's the only one we can sin against because he's perfect. That's this theological kind of uh, framework of it. All the bad things you do do relate to God in some way, even if you did it to another person or all that. But, Lee, as we look at this, there's also that, I think cop out is a pretty good phrase for the way a lot of people use yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you end the question with, "I feel like I should get an, an apology." Is that is that the wrong way to see this? And I would say, no. And here's why. Um, and this is to everybody, Christians, non Christians, anybody who happens to be listening to this. Real and good apologies are super rare. Mm. Not only that, almost everybody you know sucks at apologizing. Yeah, like really 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 sucks at doing it in fact uh this is the, the this is the whole thing but the the actual word apology itself it's not a great word for what what we really need in this situation it's actually a, that's a pretty that's a it's a pretty greek word uh apology but it's it's a word that means to make a defense um and and i don't you know, I don't know the last time you were in a situation where somebody really, really, really needed to tell you they were sorry, but instead of doing that, they just defended themselves. Um, that's a pretty unsatisfactory conversation right there. Um, but the word apology literally means to make a defense. It's like a lawyer standing in front of the jury and the judge and making a defense of their side of the story. Um, that's what apologetics means. That's what that's what the word, word apology means. A better word and a more biblical word might be the word confession. And here's what I want to say is if somebody hurt you, yeah, sure, exactly as Matt said, in the in a purely theological sense, the most direct offense is that they have sinned against God by hurting one of his kids or whatever and, you know, dishonoring his laws or, you know, if you want to break it down to pure theology. But if somebody has hurt you, you deserve a confession. And that's a really, really strong biblical word for what you need, which is a confession. A confession means that somebody in an undefensive way says these words. I hurt you. It was wrong. I'm sorry. Now, I'm going to repeat all that because people suck at saying that. And you and if somebody hurt you, this is what you deserve to hear from them. I hurt you. It was wrong, and I'm sorry. Now, they may tag on to the end of that. I hope that when you're ready, you can forgive me. So, what we want to talk about a couple there's there's so many so many issues in your very astute question one is as i've already said people suck at confessing they're wrong they suck at apologizing they're they're very 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 quick to just defend themselves very very slow to actually confess any wrongdoing the other thing is that people assume that if you know jesus that no matter what nonsense they have have uh, brought into your life, as soon as they say anything about it, like, well, I'm sorry, that you automatically have to be in a, in a perfectly reconciled relationship with them. And no, that's a no. Um, if, 
if someone has treated you in a certain way where they have broken your trust, where they have uh, where, where they have demonstrated that they are not a trustworthy person, you may forgive that offense based on their confession, and you may decide that, and you may be perfectly right to decide and discern, it would be better for me to create a boundary with you and not be in a reconciled relationship. There is, and this is super important, folks, there is a huge difference between forgiving somebody's offense and being in a reconciled friendship relationship with them. You can forgive the hurt of the offense so that you don't walk around carrying around that hurt and carrying around the burden of that offense. You can forgive that and untie that and 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 say, "Look, we are cool. That's all squashed." But based on what's happened and the trust that's been destroyed, I am not going to place myself into a position where I'm in a in a totally copacetic, reconciled relationship, friendship with you. Um, really interesting thing, and this is just a really nerdy thing that I'm going, again, I did it last episode, I'm going to do it again. I'm stealing Glenn's key card to the Bible Nerdatorium and take you down into some original language stuff. Most of you guys know the New Testament was written in the Greek language. There are several lang- several words in the Greek language that we have translated into the English word love. One of them is just the care that we have for all people. That's agape. That's that's the love that God has for everybody. That's the care that we have for for every single person. We are told to love everyone. There is never there, there's another word for love, which is phileo. That's the word of that's the word for love that is about friendship. That's that companionship and friendship. The word phileo is never in the New Testament in a command. You are never commanded to have a friendship love with anybody. Here's what I'm saying off of that. We love everybody. We care for everybody. We have compassion for everybody. You get to pick your friends. You get to draw boundaries and decide with discernment. I am not going to be in this relationship with this person because they've demonstrated that I can't trust them. Bringing all that back around to your question that you asked. Look, when people sin, they sin against God but they also sin against people. And somebody that's humble has to be ready to confess that to you without defending themselves. And you have the right to forgive that and then decide and discern whether it's right or proper for you to be in a relationship where you allow that person back into your trust. Forgiveness and trust are different things. Grace is free. Trust is earned. Those are very important principles. You're not being unchristian if you draw a boundary against somebody. All of that is super duper important stuff, and we need to be real clear about it. That is a really, really great place to start that off. And Glenn, where do we go from there? Well, first of all, I love everything that Lee is saying there. Completely agree with every word of it because, you know, really. Uh, he's giving you a lot of support there behind this idea of you're exactly right. This is a cop out that the, I, I think if you spend a lot of time giving people spiritual counseling, uh, as, as the people on this podcast have you, you recognize how much people look for, uh, loopholes and ways to weasel mm-hmm. out and, you know, Yes. Uh, dodge taking responsibility and all those kinds of things. And then that becomes the root for the problems that they have. And eventually they start losing relationships and whatnot. And then they end up sitting across from us saying, Hey, you know, I don't know how I got there. I, you know, I, I told him I sinned against God and it's like, how, what else is there? Uh, so, you know, it turns out there's a lot else there and that's, that's what we spend our time covering with people. But if you want to get theological with it, I'm happy to get theological with it. If you want to know, uh, you know, if you if something does something wrong to you, uh, and they want to skip you and go straight to God and apologize to God, and and consider that done, if that's their theological take on things, uh, I would like to read 
to you from the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, uh, 23 and 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suppose you are offering your gift at the altar, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and make peace with them. Then come back and offer your gift. Sounds like somebody's not interested in that worship right there. (laughs) If somebody says, don't even give me anything, go settle your business with them, then you come to me. That's giving a very clear sense of the way these things are meant to be ordered. And it's also making it very clear that that when someone wrongs you, that you're not meant to be cut out of the process. You're actually the priority that God is setting in mm. that situation, that they right. need to, to, to be reconciled uh, with you. Uh, so... Uh, Biblically, that couldn't be more clear. That's as if it was written specifically for your situation, so there's that. I think, uh, you know, any reasonably fair understanding of the concept of confession involves not only that you're saying that you did something wrong, but you're also presenting a desire to make things right to whatever extent that may be possible. Uh, you know, in some cases, uh, just some things that are done that can't be undone, but in some sort of ways, we can try to at least make some form of amends, even if that's just giving a really thorough taking of responsibility. Uh, and so uh, the idea, I'm I'm confessing, but I don't want to be... Um, you know, held responsible for a lot of mending offenses or whatever doesn't, that just doesn't work logically. Uh, here's another point of logic. You can wrong more than one person at a time. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah. say, well, look, I wronged God, so there's no way I wronged anyone else at the same time. Like, how can you wrong two people at once? Well, you, you, you can. You, you, can run, you can do something wrong to a whole room full of people. I, I've done it many times. I, I, I'm wrong a lot, you know. So, you know, this idea that there's only one person who can be offended doesn't. Doesn't that doesn't wash either, uh, just logically. Uh, it, and I I really want to round this out on on the point that Lee is making though. The the thing I see much more often is an attitude of God forgave me, so that means pretty much you gotta forgive me too, or else you're in sin. So <laughs> <laughs> now here's the thing on that. First of all, you're supposed to deal with me first. So th- there's that. Second of all. It's great that God forgave you, but it really ought to be clear to you, I'm not God. He'll forgive you of anything. That's the way he is. I'm not like that. I'm trying to be like that, but I got a long ways to go, dude. If you want to have a relationship with God, you need to get his forgiveness and work that out. If you want to have a relationship with me, best be clear, I'm not that holy. You're going to have to do something to talk to me about it, take some responsibility, stop acting funky, rebuild some trust. Or this relationship isn't going to happen. It's exactly as Lee is saying there, I need to separate myself out from toxic people and toxic relationships, and I feel like I have a responsibility for, before God to do that, mm. uh, to manage my life in a responsible yep. way. So the righteous thing for me is to tell you, hey, man, you know, you're not really dealing with me, and that's okay. You know, work that out on your own time. But meanwhile, I need to be somewhere else. That's all great stuff from these guys. We're going to move on to our Final question here. It comes in and says, I know I'm not supposed to rejoice when bad things happen to people, but when people act in an irresponsible way and then have consequences to their actions, I do get a little chuckle out of that. (laughs) Is that wrong? If so, how do I get better at not doing that? Excellent deployment of the phrase, little chuckle. (laughs) And yes, I have a feeling I may know what thing that keeps coming up in the news that people are very performatively and aggressively uh, wrong about that has some serious consequences. They might be referring to here, but certainly this is a a concept that can apply to a large number of behaviors, both big and small, that people might undertake. And Glenn, where do we start off? Well, uh, first of all, let's start with a confession I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have problems with that. I think 
I think a lot of us do. I won't put anybody else in, in that bucket with me, but I know I have a problem with that. Uh, you're asking, is that wrong? Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, in most situations, it is. But is it human? Yeah, it's definitely human. It's yeah. normal. It's reasonable. It's fair. It's it's part of life. It's if if something has you know built up in your mind some sort of wrong, and then that come up and happens, there's part of you that that takes a a, a delight in that that is not super super holy. That's yeah. You've you've worked that out right. Mm. This is the thing is we could all sit around and beat ourselves up for that, which wouldn't do anything to change it or improve our, you know, whatever. Uh, It's more important for us to take a look at where does that attitude come from that Mm -hmm. we want to change, you know. You know, uh, here's what um, the, the Bible tells us. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Psalm 37. I want you to read the whole Psalm of Psalms 37. That is your homework. You will think it is written specifically for you and your situation. It's it will be that spot on. I promise you, Psalm 37. Now in Psalm 37, it uses uh, obviously a Hebrew word, and this is the, from the Bible Nerdatorium. I'm 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 going deep into the archives on this one. Uh, it's a it's a Hebrew word uh, kara, and it means uh, it's translated in a lot of translations as fret. And I don't know that maybe you and I don't use the word fret very often, uh, but the uh, literal definition of it, or the the deeper definition of it, is a stoked anger. Something mm. something you're angry about, but it's been kind of kindled and you know heated up and you know, stoked over time. Uh, so that's fretting, okay? That's When we use the word fret, that's what we mean in this. So, so I'm just going to give you a, a small chunk of Psalm 37. You should read the rest. It says, Do not fret when men prosper in their ways, when they carry out wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and abandon wrath. Do not fret. It can only bring you harm. Here's the thing. I think all the fretting, all the stoked anger is hurting us. That's first and foremost. There are people on the news, I am so angry at their face. You know what I mean? You see their face and you're like, this face makes me angry. It's just triggering me with the face. And I swear they find pictures of these people where the face is kind of extra, you know, like smug, and it's just that face, man. Like, that can't be just his natural face all the time. It's like, got to be for this picture. But anyway, you you see that, and you're angry, and you're angry, but it gets bigger and bigger, and you're angrier Mm. and angrier and angrier. And what maybe we're feeling when somebody has something bad happen to them, when we're angry that way, is a relief, in a sense, uh, it's like we're, it's it's like uh, everything, the, all that pent up frustration is sort of like, ha ha, yeah, that's right, you that you get yours and all that. <laughs> so, uh, I think the key is not to say, oh, we shouldn't rejoice. I think the key is we shouldn't let that anger build up mm. that creates that, uh, re, you know, that that reaction of you know, you know. I'm I'm glad they got their their comeuppance in that. We don't want to to have that fret build up. So the key thing I think, if I've laid all this out right, is for you to look at what gets you in that stoked up anger situation. What is stoking and firing your anger about things? I would suggest to you that's what modern news media is trying to do with everything that it puts out there. It's like a list of things that they want you to be angry and frustrated about. Um, but it, I think it's about managing those frustrations and managing those that, that anger, trying to be a more understanding person, trying to be more uh, filled with peace, trying to avoid things that stoke that anger. And when, when people have their downfall, you say, oh, man, you know, that was a person with a pathetic life that that had a pathetic end, and I can do nothing but feel sorry for him. Mm. 
Very interesting place to start that off. A lot of good stuff there. Lee, where do we take it from there? Yeah, I think it's interesting that we've we've already in this episode talked about humility. I want to keep that theme going. And and first of all, I I, I totally agree with with what Glenn was saying there. And I want to keep that going with the theme of humility by saying that one thing that humility does in these types of situations is that humility makes us willing to realize I might be next. Um, yeah, it's extremely human and it makes total sense to have that. Uh, I'm going to use a big German word here, that schadenfreude, just to have the, the joy of somebody else's downfall and just, just to, you know, that's, that's just a great little, uh, kind of a, a maniacal pleasure there. And, and it makes perfect sense. It's a completely human thing, especially if, if you kind of predicted it like, Oh, I saw that coming. And it's like, you just get a real good schadenfreude going. But, um, I, I think humility states, uh, you know, I want to, I want to be, careful here because I might be next. So real quick example, I'm on the, I'm on the phone. Uh, well, I, I got a phone call from a buddy and I answered the call and everything. And I realized real quickly that this was one of those pocket dials. Uh, the guy didn't mean to call me the phone's on. He doesn't realize it, but it's, you know, it's either sitting on the table at the coffee shop or it's sitting in the car or something like that. Uh, we are on a call, but he doesn't know that he's called me. And I hear him talking to someone else about someone else. And I'm like, dude, if I was the person that you were talking about and you happened to call me, holy cow, that would be so bad. Like that would be such a difficult situation. And then I realized the next time that I was in a conversation, I remember uh, taking my phone out of my pocket and and touching the screen and realizing, I hope I'm not calling anybody because, dude, <laughs> what if that happened to me? And and so I, I think the 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 place of humility is yes, the the taking the joy at somebody else's downfall it makes perfect sense. It's a completely natural human thing. Humility states, dude, what if that happened to me? Um, and and if I could if I could actively kind of proactively go into that scenario of like, when I want to dig into a really good kind of schadenfreude, I want to take some joy at somebody else's downfall. I want to take a beat to say, how would I feel if that were me? That is a difficult place to get yourself into and it takes some intentionality, but I want to encourage it. Um, how would I, how would I want someone to treat me if I were in that situation, what is the kind of mercy that I would want extended to me if I found myself there? I think all those types of questions can be really, really helpful in that moment because you never know when you're going to find yourself in that same situation. That's the kind of thinking that humility can get us into. Real good humility can get us into the type of thinking that says, what if that were me? And that's, and while the while the joy at somebody else's downfall makes perfect sense, and yeah, they totally earned it, and yeah, I totally saw that coming, that I get it, that makes perfect sense. Now, take an extra beat to say, and yet, what if that were me? And how would I want somebody else in my life to treat me in that same situation? I think that's really the the key to the whole thing to me. I would I would take that to another step and maybe just a step in the other direction and point out that as these guys are saying, it is a perfectly human impulse to kind of uh, laugh up your sleeve when someone who's acting a fool or that you just don't like uh, has something bad happen to them. But that is a step down from the first entirely natural human instinct, which is to empathize with someone when something bad happens. If you just didn't know someone, you know, anything about them, and, you know, whatever uh, unfortunate thing befell them, uh, unless you literally have a you know personality disorder, your first reaction would probably be to empathize. You say, oh, that's, I'm a human too, as Lee is saying here. We have commonalities and a bad thing happened to them and bad things happen to me sometimes. So what needs to happen in order to get to this place we're talking about here that, again, we all go to kind of take a little pleasure in something bad happening to someone is you have to come up with a reason 
that they're not as human as other people. Because mm. that gives you just that little bit of distance to laugh at them. And it could be uh, they disagree with me. They're different than me in this thing. Or they engage in this behavior that means they deserved it. Or, I mean, kind of with pandemic stuff going around, there's a lot of, you know, the people who are suffering some of the worst um, individual results of the pandemic are the people who are not taking the precautions that are the reason that the rest of us still have to deal with a pandemic. So, under, again, all this is understandable, but you do have to take that step of coming up with a reason in your own mind why this person does not deserve basic human empathy from you. And that is something that not only goes to a bad place, obviously for the person, if they, you know, if you're laughing at them, that doesn't go to a bad place. That doesn't go to a good place for you. And as someone again, who's done a lot of it, I'm willing to bet that you've never had the, the chuckle at the, someone who uh, something bad happened to, and they kind of deserved it that you just felt great after. And that's not even like, I'm not saying you should be ashamed or you should be guilty. I'm not saying that. I think there's just something that knows, you know, you have to dehumanize someone in some way to get joy out of their suffering. And that's not a great way to live. It's not a great thing for you. So as these guys and Lee gives a lot of great advice to get to a place where you can empathize again, which I think is awesome. But I think an intermediate step in there is just to remain neutral a little bit because this is a person who if nothing else, they are a person and I am a person and bad things happen all the time. So not only does the rejoicing not do anything good for them, the long run, it doesn't do anything good for me. But again, I take us back to where Glenn started on this. It's an area we all have some growing to do on every single <laughs> mm-hmm. one of us, certainly yeah. myself, but it is, it is something that is worth putting the effort in. We're glad you wrote that question in. All right. If you have a question for us, you can write and say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge, Chicago.tumble.com slash ask. You can of course join us every Sunday at 7 PM central time, facebook.com slash the bridge, Chicago, or check out our bridge cast whenever is convenient for you at that same Facebook page. We're going to tell you the song this week. We are again, sorely missing some Jed in this episode, and we're going to take you out with one of the many Jeds. And this is, Probably about 15 to 20 years ago, Jed. This is a song uh, from a rock record Jed put out a long time ago called The Easy Part is Hard. It's a great yeah. tune. And he probably wouldn't Woo. like it if I, if we put this on the show and one of those two is here, but he's not here to stare the hate bullets at me. So I put this one on the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Coming this fall to theaters near you, Glenn Fitzgerald is Bad Pope. He's been hardened by the mean streets of Chicago, and he could not care less about your schmucky little book. <laughs> of the first of several steps It's everything past the overture that keeps me stuck in check When it's time to say how bad we are I'm the first in line to repent I'll admit I'm evil Just give me the time Propaganda 
But it's the punishment I believe I know you gave me everything I just want a little more I only ask because I lack A heart feels your love I 